0: non-steroidal topical anti-inflammatories. Do they work, and are they safe for patients? You're listening to Reach mdxm 157 the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Mark Lebwall, professor of dermatology at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York. We've had Mark as a guest before. Welcome back, Mark.
1: Hi, thanks for having me, Michael.
0: All right, first, let's tell our listeners what we're talking about brand names, and real names of the compounds we're discussing.
1: Sure. Well, the non that we're talking about are the ones that got the black box warning. Their generic names are Tecrolimus and pimecrolimus. The names that most doctors recognize them by are their brand names, which are Protopic and Elidil. And just to make it easy, I'll go by the brand names.
0: Good, because that's all I can pronounce. <laughs> okay. Now, how long have these been on the market? Because not everybody's a dermatologist, what are we using them for? Let's tell our listeners.
1: We are using them for primarily eczematous dermatoses. Atopic dermatitis is the most common use for it, but they are useful in a number of other circumstances. They are useful for intertriginous and facial psoriasis. It turns out that by themselves, they don't work very well for thick plaques on the elbows and knees of psoriasis, but the face and body folds are much more thin-skinned and respond much more readily, and they work very well in those sites. They happen to be particularly well-suited for those sites because they don't have the steroid side effects. And, you know, when I give out steroids, I tell patients to avoid using them on the face and intertriginous sites. So exactly where we need this kind of treatment is where we use them in psoriasis. In atopic dermatitis or seborrheic dermatitis or other eczematous dermatoses, again, face and intertriginous areas steroids work very well, but they have a lot of side effects in those areas. So we try to avoid steroids in those areas. And so these were and have been a very useful treatment replacement for topical steroids in those areas. In addition, we don't like to use topical steroids chronically because patients develop cutaneous atrophy. They develop stretch marks, telangiectasia. And to avoid all that, we need something that allows us anti-inflammatory Power yet doesn't have those steroid side effects. And these were perfect for that. So they enable us to take patients who need st- topical steroids chronically and substitute this non steroidal anti inflammatory in their places.
0: Right. And it also gives us a bit of control because once you've given a patient that steroid prescription and you tell them not to use it, they're going to use it anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and this is a good substitute for that.
0: Okay, so we have a problem with these. You know, in the past year or so, we've all had patients coming to the office, mothers with their kids. We want to give them a prescription, and they scream no, and they bring us internet material and FDA material, and they say, we can't use these, they cause cancer. Talk about that.
1: This actually started three years ago. It was February fifteenth, two 2005. The pediatric committee at the FDA proposed a black box warning regarding the risk of lymphoma and skin cancer. And I will say that they did that in the face of a tremendous amount of evidence that the drugs did not cause skin cancer and lymphoma, yet they ignored that and, and there was a, a rationale for them putting that on. The rationale that they suggested was topical calcineurin inhibitors, and these are both topical calcineurin inhibitors, are available in oral forms. Namely, ProGraph is oral tacrolimus, and that is used to prevent rejection of transplanted organs. And in that population, it is a very immunosuppressive therapy, and there is unquestionably an increase in lymphomas and in skin cancers. And their rationale was if oral calcineurin inhibitors can cause lymphomas and skin cancer, maybe with prolonged use, topical calcineurin inhibitors could do the same. And so that was the rationale that got it started. But if you go back to the data, even the data that was presented at the FDA The kind of data they were looking at is feeding the drug to animals. And I actually have a slide in front of me that I'm looking at right now that was presented to the FDA. And these were oral carcinogenicity studies where they gave the drug by mouth to rats and mice. And they found no lymphomas until they got at least 258 times the maximum human exposure. 258 times the maximum human exposure of femecrolimus, they were able to show that mice developed lymphomas. But lower than that, they could not show that. In fact, at 133 times, there was no increase in lymphomas. They presented other data. Some of the data was the drug applied topically, but they put it in a very absorbing base so that a lot of it got through and it was as if the animals were taking it by mouth. And again, even doing it that way, they needed at least 26 times the maximum human exposure for there to be any signal that a lymphoma might arise. So these are just you know, out-of-the-world experiences. When pemecrolimus was given orally, at 35 times the maximum exposure, they were able to detect, in a monkey model, an entity called immune-related lymphoproliferative disease. So these are monkeys that are very prone to getting lymphoma-like illnesses, but you have to give 35 times the maximum human exposure, even in these lymphoma-prone monkeys. For them to get a sign of this disease.
0: If you just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on REACH MDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Mark Lebwall, Professor of Dermatology at Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York, and we're talking about the safety of non-steroidal topical anti-inflammatories, specifically Elidel and Protopic. Okay, sorry, Mark, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Now I will say to be fair when they came out with this, there was other data presented at the FDA, but again, all of it was frankly unclear. So, for example, the new drug applications for both drugs showed photocarcinogenesis, but that data was very flawed, and what they do is they use a mouse model to show cancers, and they irradiate the mice with ultraviolet B, and they put the drug on. The reason that data was flawed is even even when you use just the vehicle, not the drug, the mice had an increase in skin cancers. I will say conversely, there was a study presented by Sarat in which he showed that calcineurin inhibitors actually filter UVB and prevent the formation of thymine dimers, which is a precursor to the development of skin cancer. So he su- suggested that they would actually protect against skin cancer. Obviously, the most relevant studies are what happened when we gave these to people. There's a lot of data on people. The studies were on these drugs involved thousands of patients, in fact, tens of thousands of patients that were followed for long periods of time. A dermatologist in Oklahoma, Mark Naylor, looked at thousands of patients with atopic dermatitis who had been treated with tacrolimus, which is protopic. And among over 5,000 patients in three years, he found 13 non-melanoma skin cancers. That is virtually the same number that is detected in large databases of normal patients, forget patients with atopic dermatitis, who are not treated with tacrolimus. So there's no difference than what you'd expect in the general public. Moreover, most of his cases of skin cancer, 10 of the 13, were found within the first 90 days. And the reason that that's important is when you get rid of a skin disease, suddenly things that you didn't see before become apparent. In addition, more than half of the cases occurred at sites of the body where the ointment had not been applied. The 13 cases he reported, 7 of them had had previous skin cancers before, so they had high risk factors for getting skin cancer. And there were a number of other features that would have predispose them to skin cancers in those sites, such as areas of sun exposure. The bottom line, or his conclusion, was there is no increase in skin cancers in patients treated with protopic. Another one of the things that the FDA said was that the studies hadn't been done in large enough numbers of patients for long enough periods of time. Well, there were publications even at that time in 2005 on 8,000 patients being studied. There were publications which showed the drug patients being followed up for years there's one study which looked at large number of numbers of patients treated for up to four years, again published in 2005. So the data was already there. In all of the post-marketing data that was done, the number of malignancies that have been reported have been less than what would be expected in the general public. There is one exception to that, and that's when the FDA announced in the newspapers that they were adding this black box warning, there were a number of cases of cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. And the reason that that's interesting is that cutaneous T-cell lymphoma is usually misdiagnosed as atopic dermatitis. For And often, in fact, before these drugs ever existed, I actually wrote in a book that I, in, in an atlas of the skin and systemic disease that I wrote, that cutaneous T-cell lymphoma is often missed for years, and often biopsied 10 times and only the 11th biopsy shows it. And it's usually misdiagnosed as atopic dermatitis. And so patients who had cutaneous T-cell lymphoma were probably treated with Protopic and Eladil, and then when the FDA announced, oh, these can cause lymphoma, and they had their diagnosis of lymphoma made subsequently, the patients came up and reported it. So the drugs were really subjected to a bad public relations campaign that was initiated probably unintentionally by the FDA announcement. When they showed data on clinical trials at the FDA, the STELIS presented data on over 19,000 patients treated, including 7,600 pediatric patients. And they showed no increase of systemic infection, no increase of malignancy, no increase of systemic immune response. Similarly, elidel data was presented by Novartis, and again they showed studies that had been in which infants had been followed for two years. There were studies looking at over a thousand patients treated for up to two years. There were studies in which they had the application of the drug not two times a day, which is what the package insert says, but four times a day. And despite all that the numbers of malignancies reported were minor. In fact, if you look at the FDA website, the numbers of malignancy reported in their clinical trials, they had 19,000 l trees patients who developed two cancers, compared to only 4,000 control patients who developed five cancers. Now, they had almost five times as many patients. You'd expect them to have 25 ca- cancers. The number of cancers they actually found was reduced by a factor of 90% compared to the placebo group.
0: Right. So let's step away from the data for the time we have left. Should we just prescribe it and ignore the black box, or what do you tell your patients?
1: You know, the patients see the warning. In fact, you know, I don't know if you've looked at what the warning itself says, but I have it in front of me, and it says, long-term safety of topical calcineurin inhibitors has not been established. Although a causal relationship has not been established, rare cases of malignancy, e.g. skin and lymphoma have been reported in patients treated with topical calcineurin inhibitors. So, you know, anyone who reads that, especially a mother of a child, is going to be hesitant to use the drug. And I think that the weight of the data shows the opposite.
0: So are you using it freely?
1: I use it routinely, and I tell patients, many patients, I'll tell everybody, expect you're going to see this major cancer warning, and I'll say, basically, don't feed it to animals in massive quantities, (laughs) because that's the setting into which malignancies were shown. I believe that it is much safer... Than the alternatives that we've been using. And I'll tell you just an interesting follow-up to all of this. At the Las Vegas Fall Clinical Dermatology Conference, we surveyed several hundred dermatologists, over 500 dermatologists, on what they were using in patients who had previously been well-controlled on topical calcineurin inhibitors. And to my not-so-much surprise, about a third of dermatologists were using chronic topical steroids, which is something we probably shouldn't be doing. A high proportion of dermatologists, I think one in five, were using PUVA and UVB. And if you talk about carcinogenic, I mean, PUVA is certainly carcinogenic. A good number of dermatologists were forced to use systemic steroids for their patients, and there were even a number of dermatologists who had to use cyclosporin. So they're giving an oral calcineurin inhibitor to patients who were previously well controlled on topical calcineurin inhibitors But believe it or not, the warning on the topical calcineurin inhibitors is more ominous looking than the warning on the oral drug, and patients never see the warning on the oral drug.
0: Thanks. Mark, thanks for being our guest today and talking to us about Protopic and LLDL and all the hype surrounding them and their safety. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinicians Roundtable on Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Reach MDXM is here for you, the health professionals who care for your patients. We welcome your questions and comments please visit us at reachmd.com where our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. If you sign up on our website and if you put the promo code radio in, we'll even give you six months of free podcasts. And we thank you for listening.